Well, the Word of God is truth. So let's make our confession. Let's say the Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell that person next to you, it's just that simple. David, I heard some of your message Wednesday night with the youth. It was awesome. David Long and Holly, we give them a hand over there. They do a great job alongside Dan and and Kelly. Okay, a couple of pictures for you coming up on the screen here. My darling wife, Pamela Ann, in the Mediterranean. (laughs) She's there in the Mediterranean Sea. The next picture is uh, Pam and Pastor Sharon with the Mediterranean Sea in the background. I don't have the video for you. Uh, Actually, I'm going to have to have clearance from my wife to show it. She was baptized by Pastor Sharon in the Jordan River, and uh, her hair was all wet, so I got to get permission to show show that. I've never seen my wife go anywhere with wet hair, but... uh, (laughs) I thought it was really cute, but we're glad to see all of you here. The word of of the Lord today, Pam will be back next Sunday. The word of the Lord today is uh, projecting the right image. And everywhere that you go, you project an image. You have an image of yourself. And nobody can shake the image of who you say you really are. And we're going to talk about that in detail today. Before we get into the message, as, as we uh, leave today, uh, all of you, and this is not one for every family, we want all of you to have one, this is uh, Decision Magazine. Some of you may get it. It's free. There is the information on the inside as to how to subscribe. You can get it by email or you can get it in the mail. No charge for it at all. It's part of the Billy Graham Ministry Outreach. Uh, Billy Graham founded this. Franklin Graham and Billy Graham are now uh, overseeing that entire ministry, mostly Franklin. There is a great, uh, several great articles in here uh, in defense of marriage. And I believe it really goes along with the message today about projecting the image of Christ. Everyone is free to do whatever they want to do in this great nation, not to break the law, certainly, but to do whatever they want to do and to live whatever lifestyle they want. That's fine. That's, that's between them and God, or if they don't believe in God, that's between them and whoever. Uh, so they can do whatever they want. But nobody is free to change the moral value of this country that was founded upon the godly precepts in our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. And uh, we believe in this church... I believe strongly that marriage is between a man and a woman, that if people want to do something different, go for it, do whatever you feel you want to do. However, it does not change the Word of God, and it does not change God's intent for this nation. And I want to encourage all of you to be here on Wednesday nights for the next four Wednesday nights if you can. I'm going to be talking leading up to Bill Federer coming on July the 1st. A great historian for this nation has appeared before our Congress and many representatives and, and, and a very influential man who has written books and compiled books about our country and the original intent of this nation. And for the next four Wednesdays, I'm going to be talking about God's original intent for America and for the American people and that we are to be a light to the world and that there is a covenant that America has with God. And if you really understand our our interweaving and our original intent, you'll understand why God's hand has always been on two nations of the world, Israel and the United States of America. Now, we know that God lifted his hands years ago off of Israel and brought it right back down again because they turned from him, and he taught them a valuable lesson. And I believe they'll never depart from it again. I believe that America is no different than Israel. If we continue in the direction that we're going, I believe the hand of God could lift off of America. I really do. But I believe that it's not too late, but it is very late. And I want us to pray for our Supreme Court justices who will be making a decision this month, probably at the end of June, maybe into July, could go longer than that, uh, concerning the sanctity of marriage in America. Is marriage between, constitutionally and in this nation, between a man and a woman, or is it between anything or any entity that a person wants it to be? We believe that scripturally, 
in our Constitution and in everything that we stand for in this nation, marriage is between a man and a woman. And the Supreme Court will rule all of the predictors and people that even that I follow uh, have predicted that the Supreme Court will rule five to four against marriage being defined as that between a traditional marriage of man and a woman. They believe it will go five to four against and that the sanctity of marriage will forever in all of the states of this union be destroyed and that it will be between whomever they want to do based on their freedom. I'm hoping that they're wrong. Most of the people that I follow are hoping that they're wrong. The person that we need to really pray for is uh, Judge Roberts. Judge Roberts, some of you may know, the Supreme Court uh, Justice, uh, the head of the Supreme Court, uh, is from Indiana. He's from Michigan City, and uh, he's, he's a man that was raised in a Christian environment. And it isn't so much the environment a person was raised in as it is the interpretation of the Constitution. And there is no question that our Constitution was made for a godly, Christian, Judeo nation of people who would want to conform to biblical principles. So we are praying that the Supreme Court will rule correctly and that marriage in America will be between a man and a woman. So let's pray. Father, we lift up all of the Supreme Court justices, but especially Judge Roberts. We pray, Lord, that regardless of what people think might happen, we pray that your will would be done. Lord, in my heart, in my spirit, I have no question. Your will is that for marriage to be between a man and a woman. So, Lord, we pray, let your will be done. We bind the spirit of the Antichrist off of our Supreme Court justices, and we pray for spiritual sense and spiritual common sense to rule in this ruling. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Last Wednesday, Dan had a great message on love. I encourage you all to get it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to start reading there. We're going to be talking about projecting the right image and uh, that God has an image for you to fulfill and to receive and to go forth and to do great and mighty exploits for him. And that every one of you are probably just like me, just like Mike Lamana. You have the good, you have the ugly in your past. Can I see the hands of all the people that you know somebody that resembles that? The good, the bad, and the ugly. We've all been there, done that. I remember years ago, Pam and I had take a group of students to uh, John Osteen's church you guys get to hear this message twice in a row. Does it, is it getting better the second time, or is it just the same? I would be bored sitting there listening to me two services in a row, but you really put on a great game face. So, uh, but, but anyway, uh, we were taking a group of uh, Victory Bible Institute students down to John Osteen's church, uh, Joel's father, and, and uh, he said, how many of you were raised, how many of you were former, it's a charismatic church on fire for the things of God if you knew John Osteen. And he, John Osteen's a lot fiery than Joel. Now, I love Joel Osteen, but John was a fiery guy. He was a former Baptist, and uh, he got thrown out of the Baptist church when he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I got the left foot of fellowship. They said, we don't want you around anymore. And, but anyway, he said, how many of you were former Baptists and, and got saved and a lot of hands went up and there was about 5,000 people there. And uh, how many of you were those meek little Methodists and you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all sorts of hands went up? He went all down the lines of the denomination finally said, well, how many of you are just sinners? You, were, you weren't raised anywhere. And a bunch of us raised our hands and said, yeah, that, that was us. Never heard much of the gospel, never heard the gospel actually, but knew that the life I lived was a bad life. And if you don't get an image of what God has for you to fulfill then you many times will stay in the image of what had captured you in the life of sin that we all used to live before Jesus came in and set us free. And in the book of Romans, it really tells us 
what God's original intent and plan was for every person on the face of the earth. It was for them to receive Jesus, to receive the cleansing power of Jesus, to cleanse us of all of our sins, remove all of our sins, and that God would forget every sin that we ever committed, and that if we ever fell again, we would get right back up because he would convict us and we'd ask his forgiveness and we'd keep right on moving, and that we would not succumb to the world system, but we would follow the leading of his Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8, 29 and 30 is the scripture that we're going to share. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. You have a predestiny. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, you and I have been predestined by God to be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, whom he predestined, everybody say, that's me. Now, I say it like you mean it. Now, I say it like you really mean it. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Everybody say, that's me. Whom he called, therefore he also justified. Again, getting weaker. Because when the devil knocks on your mind, and says, you know what you did. You know what you think. And he tries to convict you, uh, uh, condemn you, so that you won't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Since he also justified, and whom he justified, those he also glorified. And that's talking about when you get to heaven, you're going to have a glorified body. But in other words, God justified us. It's just as if we had never sinned. And he gave us this new image to walk in. And that image is the image of Christ. Now, all of you have an image of yourself. Good, bad, or ugly. And if you're like all of us, it probably fluctuates based on what you've allowed your emotions to feel. And sometimes you feel like Christ and the image of Christ in you, and sometimes you don't. But what we have to do is discipline ourselves to yield to the Holy Spirit to be an imitator of God, His Son, as dear little children. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I can imitate anybody. When I was a little guy, my hero, actually, my hero is still Roy Rogers. I have always thought Roy Rogers was a hero of mine. Can you believe in the first service? How many of you don't even know who Roy Rogers is? (laughs) Glory to God. You came to the right service. He was the greatest cowboy that ever lived. Some guy left. Some guy, le- not some guy, Carl, uh, left the first service. He said, yeah, you think Roy Rogers, your hero. Gene Autry was mine. I said, Gene Autry was a sissy compared to Roy Rogers. <laughs> he sang to his horse. Roy shot guys. And, uh, but, but anyway, I had, and some of you have heard this before, but I, I, I had the Roy Rogers uh, guns, not the real McCoy, but I had, I had uh, two guns, holster, the things for the bullets, play bullets, all of it. I, I had those things, and, and my wife told me one day, she said, you probably really enjoyed pretending to be Roy Rogers. I said, honey, I didn't pretend to be Roy Rogers. I was Roy Rogers. <laughs> and there's a tree that used to sit on uh, Ferry Street and uh, uh, Erie, and, and that tree, huge, huge tree. I could ride around it on my horse. Uh, I, had, I had a trigger, and, and, and I would ride around that tree as a little guy. And uh, they cut my tree down. And this happened about 10, 15 years ago. They cut the tree down. I was so upset with the city. But I saw the tree laying there. And somebody in the church heard me share that. And they went down and cut a piece of that tree up for me. And I have on my desk Roy Rogers' Ten Commandments for Minding Your Parents. I, on my desk right now uh, at home. And I have that little tree bark with a knot hole in it that just reminds me of my days of being Roy Rogers. Now... I don't know what kids do for heroes today. 
Because as I was praying about this message, I thought, God, I don't, I don't know if there are any heroes out there. I don't know who you would follow. In the sports industry, gosh, you got to be really careful. Yeah, they're great athletes, but the stuff they do, uh, it's really hard to find uh, uh, somebody that you can really imitate. But I know this. God wants us to imitate Jesus. And when I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think during my childhood, I saw every single Roy Rogers movie that ever came to Lafayette. My dad owned a grocery store, and we weren't wealthy, but there was always 50 cents to go to a movie, even though we snuck in anyway. But they would give us 50 cents. The two movie theaters that we'd always go to is the Mars, which they call the Long Theater now, and the Lafayette. The Mars Theater was easy to sneak into because the side door ended up to a little bitty alley. So we could send one guy in, pay full fare, he'd open the door, and we'd all sneak in the side. Lafayette Theater is a little harder. That thing dumped right on Main Street. You got a real problem with the box office there. You had to make sure her attention was going the other direction to sneak into that theater. Okay, that's a little sidetrack. But anyway... It's amazing what a kid will do to save 50 cents. But, but, but anyway, every single one of those movies that we'd go to, then we'd go home and would act out the movie. Now, I know it probably sounds silly, but it really fits in with being an imitator of Christ. We would act out the movie. i tell you what. I drew my guns like Roy Rogers. I could do that backflip and put them right in that holster. I, I was thinking about that today. I thought, well, that'd be a nice illustrated sermon sometime. But that little flip of that handle and putting those things back in there. And Roy, if, if Roy walked like this, by golly, we walked like that. I mean, whatever Roy did, if Roy got shot, we got shot. But we never got shot seriously. It was always a shoulder wound. Or it was a, oh, just grazed my chin and shot the guy. Yeah, it, that... It was an act, and I'm not putting on. This is what we did. We acted out the movie. And if we could, we'd go see the movie again, and we'd act it all out again. What if God's original plan for all of us was to have a role model and somebody that we would spend our life imitating, and that that would be our life's journey? And that that would be our ministry, that everything that we would do would be based on what did Jesus do? I will imitate him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. What would Jesus do? What do we see in the scriptures that Jesus did? We know that we're called in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be ministers of reconciliation. And you fight the same battle that I do. It is a mental battle to keep your mind focused on who you are supposed to be. If I'm not careful, I can go back to who I used to be in a moment's notice. How many of you know that sometimes you can be listening? I love music. I love 50s music. But I have to be careful of the 50s music. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, he's really old. I love the sound of the 50s music. I just love that. It's mostly music you can listen to. It doesn't have the lyrics of today's music that's in there. I know every generation criticized the next generation and said their music is terrible. They, gener- they criticized the music of the 50s. Thank God if that's all we had to criticize, the music of the 50s. It's got a lot worse. But, but you have to be careful that some things can draw you back to an area where you don't need to go because you've been set free from it. Does that make sense? Your Cheating Heart by Hank Williams. Oh, I used to listen to that. Your Cheating. Oh, my goodness. You talk about getting down really low. Are the number one song, Country Western, when I was a senior in high school. I'll pick you up on my way down. No, that is not the direction we want to go. We are an imitator of Christ. And that the biggest challenges you've ever faced and fallen in are going to be areas where God will strengthen you and use you mightily. And, uh, and there's a story that I want to tell you about, about a girl. By the way, the word imitation uh, or Im- image is a representation, a reflection, a mental picture, a likeness. Um, uh, imagination comes from that word. It means something that is conceived in, in the mind. And uh, I'm going to tell you a story about Pastor Stanley in just a moment. But it, it's so important that you entertain and discipline yourself to conform to the image of Christ because there are people that you have influence with. 
in your sphere of influence today, in your sphere of influence tomorrow, and in your sphere of influence to come. And that if you have that Christ-likeness projected out into them, they're going to be drawn to that, and they're going to see that they too can have what you want. Everybody is looking for something. They just don't know what they're looking for. We have a whole generation of people that are out there like that today. And what happens then is that, that if, if we get centered the way we should be, then life is fun. The greatest experience in life is helping somebody get set free. I know, I know that, uh, that Mike and, and Michelle experience that constantly in the prison up there in Logansport. Every single one of those children that they minister to, teenagers now incarcerated with felonies, every single one of them were born the same. They were born to be loved and to be conformed to the image of Christ. But because of the way that many of them were raised and things that happened to them, they went the way of the spirit of the Antichrist and their pain for their challenges right now. The whole world is hurting, and we have a mission field no matter where we work. As a florist, uh, whatever your profession is, Bennett's uh, at the college, over uh, retired. Uh, right now, Larry, you got all the time in the world to go out and touch people. Dr. Snug's back there as a professor. Every single one of us have a mission field to be a minister of reconciliation. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses all the way through 17 through 21, that we are called to reconnect people to Jesus and to reconcile them and let them know that everything is going to be okay. You you just need Jesus to come in so that the Holy Spirit that comes in rebirths your spirit man so that really and truly if you understand what this means we go from Romans 8:29 that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ and it's Genesis 1:26 God's original plan was that we would be born into this earth in his image But because the spirit of man died in the garden, that image had to be reattached through Jesus coming and taking away sin. And now when the temple of the Holy Spirit, our body, is filled with the Holy Spirit, then we have the ability to have the image of Christ within us. I really believe that's what happened when Moses went to the mountain. And when he came back down and said the glory of God was all over him. I believe that was God's plan for all of mankind. When the Holy Spirit would come into us, the glory of God would show in us. And that will happen if your mind will conceive that you are called by God to be conformed to the image of Almighty God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're called. You are called to be like Jesus. And I want to tell you a story. Lou Beale, my mother-in-law, was in the first service, and she is a sweet lady. Lou Beale is 92. She, she admits her age now because she looks so young. She used to never be able to tell her age. She'd beat the crap out of you if you told her age. But, but EMR, she's proud of it. She's 92 years old. Her mother lived to be 96 Her grandmother lived to be 106. So you talk about long life in that family. uh, But but anyway, toward the end of Grandma Marge, how many of you knew Marge? Marge was always in this church. Marge was a character, and I mean, people have different definitions of a character. Whatever extreme character you can think of, that was Marge. She was something else. She She was 90 years old and got stopped by a state policeman going to Logansport. And the state policeman pulled her over and said, do you know you're speeding? She said, yes, I know I'm speeding. And he said, why, why are you speeding? She said, you see that storm cloud? I'm trying to beat that home to Logansport. And he had her license. And he's looking, he said, are you really this old? She said, yes. He said, I'll tell you what. I see the storm cloud, too. I don't want to get caught in the storm cloud. I'll, I won't give you a warning ticket. I won't do anything if you promise me the rest of the way home you drive the speed limit. And she said, I thought for a minute. And then I said, Okay, so he let her. He let her go. That was that was Grandma Marge. If you see her around town, I don't know how tall she was when she finally went home to be with the Lord, but it looked like about three foot. But when she drove her car, all you saw was the steering wheel going right down the wheel. But but it, anyway, uh, I, she was at Mulberry Nursing Home, and uh, I would go out there and see her occasionally. And so I walked in there one day and. And, and Marge could be the sweetest, most wonderful lady you've ever been around, or she could, re- she had a mouth. She had a mouth. And uh, Lou told me it was okay to share it in that first service, but, but I walked in this one day, and she was just really letting this 
orderly nurse lady just really have it, just ripping her apart. And it, it was really bad. And I, I just stood there outside the door. I, I just wanted to hear how bad it was going to get. And it got, it was bad when I got there and it got worse as I listened. And she didn't see me. And so when it was all over and the, the lady left and Marge was about 95 at the time. And, you know, we try to cut her some slack. The, the odds are slim and none that a 95-year-old is going to change too much. They're pretty well set in their ways. But, but, uh, but anyway, uh, when she got all finished, I went over there and I said, Marge, I said, you know, you're here representing Victory Christian Center. You represent me and our church. You represent Jesus. And I said, that was really bad. And she said, I do? I said, Yes. She said, oh, my. She called the lady back. Told her how pretty she looked. Just a few minutes ago, she said that. I, I heard she said, you are one ugly woman. She said that to this lady. And, and she called back in. She said, I was wrong. You are really pretty. And I don't know how the lady processed it. But Marge, I watched her change before my very eyes. Whether it lasted or not, I don't know, because I wasn't all there at the same time. But she had a new thought and a new image of who she was. Not the people around her, but who she was. And it began to change her. Okay, I'm on assignment from God in this nursing home representing Victory Christian Center I better do things a little differently. What if you are on assignment from God for this season of your life, and everywhere that you go, God has this anointing that he wants to flow through you to all of the people that drive you up the proverbial wall. (laughs) And you know who they are, but you know what? If you will ask yourself to see those people the way God sees them, you will see a generation of hurting people out there. They didn't get that way overnight. Things happened to them to cause them to be the way they are. And if you'll let that image of Christ flow through you to them, not only will it set them free, it'll set you free. Because when you're focused on being like Jesus... You're not going to be focused on your past. You're not going to be focused on all the things that hurt you or the things that you did to hurt other people. But you're going to be moving forth, making the best of the rest of your days on this earth. And that is exactly what God's plan is for your life. And there's a story of the prodigal, or not the prodigal son, but the good Samaritan. And uh, it, it's, it's this, in Luke chapter 10. I want to read part of it to you because as we, as we depart from 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that we are ambassadors for Christ, Philippians 2.5 says that we have the mind of Christ. And you could probably ask yourself sometimes, if I got the mind of Christ, something's really messed up. Because every single one of us have a mind that can go quickly. But what that really means is that through the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in, He wants us to yield and conform to the image of Christ. So that that image then becomes the image that comes into our mind. And when we look in the mirror... We see what God sees, not what we used to see. Does that make sense to all of you? I was sitting in church one time in Victory in Tulsa, and when I, was, I was getting this message, not this message, but, but I was constantly hearing how God didn't see our past. He doesn't think about our past. He doesn't hold it against us. He has a future for us. He has plans and all of those things. And I was trying to believe it, but sometimes it would be very hard for me because I'd, I'd flip back in my mind about all the things that I used to do and things that, that I caused and all of that, and it would start to drag me back. That's the accuser of the brethren. That's what the devil comes, because he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy the Word of God. But God was trying to rebuild me, and I was getting to the point where it was just, it was so in me, it was like, wow, God wants me to be like Jesus. He wants each one of you to be like Jesus. And it was becoming a revelation. It was just like combustible inside me. It was just so powerful. So Billy Joe's out there preaching one day, and I'll never forget this. The worship leader's wife is named uh, Becky Grothy. She was sitting next to uh, me, and then Pam was next to, to her to me uh, on the other side. 
And, and, and Billy Joe said, we know so much about Jesus. And he was talking about everything. He said, the only thing we don't know is the color of his eyes. And I said, they were green. And uh, I just said it to myself, but Becky Grothy heard me next door, and she said, how do you know he had green eyes? I said, because I have green eyes. <laughs> she said, what does that mean? And I said, we are to conform to the image of Christ. And when I look in the mirror, I see green eyes. She said, well, my eyes are blue. I said, well, for you, Jesus had blue eyes. <laughs> well, that satisfied her for the moment. But it's, it's not a question of the color of eyes. It's the question of who do you, the rest of your life, want to imitate? You have imitated somebody. Family line, uncle, I, re- I remember my uncle. I used to try to imitate my uncle. Roy Rogers was my hero, but my uncle was close. He had a way of drinking beer with those long neck bottles and smoking cigars. Uncle Bob. And he was a bartender. I thought he was the coolest thing around. Guess what I wanted to do when I got old enough? I wanted to imitate my Uncle Bob. As a matter of fact, my Uncle Bob was a great softball player, and he made me the bat boy. Now, the bat boys, uh, I mean the, the softball players uh, back in that era, and still pretty much today, they loved to drink beer and play softball. And I got the job of taking those beer bottles and pulling that cap off and snapping that thing and giving the beer bottle after I had taken a little sip. Now, I was about 10 years old, 12 years old, and I'm imitating my uncle because my uncle had this way of, I don't know, just a cock of his arm and I don't know, just to me it was super cool. So I was, I was the bat boy of Columbia Park and, and, and my mom was having a PTA meeting over on Union Street at this house. And my uncle had a couple beers after the game and said, I got to take you to your mom. So I walked in the PTA meeting, there's about 20 ladies there, had my baseball hat on, turned it sock, sideways. She says, well, Billy, where you been? I said, I've been out drinking with my Uncle Bob. <laughs> and I had just a little sip of beer on me, which gives you enough of a beer breath. My mom didn't even open the door. She shot right through the door, went out to the car, and told my uncle what she thought about him. <laughs> he said, I didn't give him anything. Now, all of that I say to you is because I wanted to imitate something. Everybody wants a role model. Everybody wants something that they can work toward. And the world has perverted everything. It's all about money, status, situations, circumstances. But that's the spirit of the Antichrist. You and I are all called to be like Jesus. And in the book of Luke, I'll paraphrase it just for time's sake, but the the, the good Samaritan was out on the road And the Good Samaritan was despised by the Jewish people because they had polluted the basic customs of the Jewish faith. They were Jewish people living in the area of Samaria, still over there today, and and that they they intermixed and intermingled and intermarried, and they just did things that the rabbis didn't approve of. And we don't know who the person on the road was because it doesn't identify him as being a Jewish person. But most people that I have read believe that the person who was beaten by the robbers in Luke chapter 10 was of the Jewish faith. And that that person on the side of the road was laying there half dead, it said. We have a society that I don't know how dead they are, but I think that a lot of people out there are dead inside. You can see it in their eyes. Can you tell what I'm talking about when you see somebody and you can tell their spirit is dead It is not alive. Whether it was alive at one time and has been quenched or whether it was never alive, you can tell it in their eyes. And those are the people that we're called to minister to and to encourage and to exhort and to edify. And and we're told the story of how this man was beaten half dead and, and, and his clothes were taken, all of his goods were taken, and he was probably dying on the side of the road. And here comes a a priest by him. Here comes a Levite by him. And you would think two men who were in ministry and saw him but ignored him and kept right on going. If we're not careful, when we start to take our stand for 
the marriage, uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. Sometimes I watch on, on television and I see the people demonstrating for whatever cause they have that we believe is part of the Antichrist, uh, angry, hatred. Sometimes I see the people that are the conservatives seem to be angry, hateful. Sometimes I see even people in the church that can sometimes be the same way, angry and hateful. Folks, we are not of the world. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and that we have that ability. But we do it all in love. We don't compromise what we believe. Sin is sin, but we don't compromise what we believe. We proclaim what we believe with love. You want to go out and sin? Go for it. You want to change? Come back because I'm here for you. I believe that we have the ability to change the world by being conformed to the image of Christ. One of my heroes, I mean, I I shouldn't say heroes, I love to study people who have been there and done that, not people who have an idea about something, but was Gandhi. Gandhi changed an entire nation. He changed all of India. He actually changed many parts of the world because if you stand for peaceful demonstration and for what he believed was right. And there's a story in his book on his life story where missionaries were ministering to Gandhi in India and they asked him about receiving Jesus. And he said to them, I could if it were not for one reason. And, his, and their response was, what is that one reason? And he said, it's you missionaries. You don't act the way Jesus was. If you acted the way Jesus acted, the entire world would probably be saved. Now, that's not a condemnation on all of us, but I know this. Sometimes I get a little riled up, and sometimes I need to realize I am a minister of reconciliation. I am here to help set people free, not to beat the crap out of them and tell them how bad they are. Because when I watch some of that news on television, I would just like to jerk one of them right through that set and let them know what I think about them. And my wife said to me the other day, honey, that's why God gave me you. I can settle you down. (laughs) She really can. But see, we should let nothing change the image of Christ in us. And what happens? The good Samaritan is on the road. A polluted race of people. People who did not keep the law at that time. If we put that in modern day, we could say they weren't Christians. They're just out doing their own thing. And they got beat up and they got thrown on the side of the road. And we say, well, they shouldn't have been doing it anyway. Well, the good Samaritan didn't judge the person on the side of the road. The good Samaritan went over, did what he could to stop the bleeding or stop whatever was going on, put him on his horse. That would be like you and I driving down the street, and we see this, people, this person out protesting for uh, whatever. You can fill in the blanks. You know, whatever perverted thing you want to fill in, you could fill it in there. And we see him laying on the side of the road, and we're driving down the car, and, and we got this bloody mess sitting over there on the sidewalk, and we knew they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing in the first place. So do we go by like the Levite and the rabbi? Or do we pull over and stop and say, this person is going to dirty up my car. I better just call an ambulance. But what the good Samaritan did, he took the person, put him on his horse, took him to the inn, and said, look, I'm going to pay for whatever this person needs. We are led to believe that whether this is a parable or a true story, we're led to believe that the example Jesus was making was, this is what love is all about if you fulfill the greatest commandment of all. And that not only did he pay for the needs that he had, but he said, I'm going to come back again, and I will repay you for anything that you have to spend to take care of this person. I believe Jesus was saying, this is how I want all of my people to be once they yield to my image in them and conform to that image. And then Jesus summed it all up by asking the attorney. He said, now listen, which one loved his neighbor more? Which one? He said, well, the good Samaritan. And Jesus summed it all up and said, go and do likewise. Wherever you go, help and touch the hurting people. If we, we are living in, I don't believe this is a bad confession, but we are living in more and more and more a narcissistic, self-centered society where it's all about me. It's all about me. 
it's not all about us. It's all about him and him in us reaching out to touch people. And some of the greatest challenges and defeats you've ever had will be the greatest victories that you have with the Lord. There's a man that we're ministering to right now. It's in a VA hospital. I think I shared this last Sunday. His testimony is unfolding. Not ready to give it yet, but unfolding about how he went from jail to the VA hospital. Last time I was with him, he said, I, I feel like I'm called into full-time ministry. How do I do it? And uh, it just it, it's just such a powerful story. And uh, it, it, it's a story about how this man's mind is being conformed to the image of Christ through his spirit that was reborn and that he's being purged of all of the preconceived notions that he had that his life could never be used by God. God can use anybody. Tell your neighbor, God can use you. When we were on staff, and this is a a great example to maybe bring this all to a conclusion. When we were on staff at Victory uh, in Tulsa, one of of the, uh, uh, we directed the Bible Institute, and we were dispatching people all over the world and, and encouraging them to start Bible schools wherever they went. And right now, Victory has Bible schools, Victory Bible Institute all over the world. I don't know if it's on, I know it's on every continent. I don't think it's every nation, but close to every nation. That was our goal. And it was after we had left, we'd already come back here, but there's a lady by the name of Rella Shipman that God spoke to to go to Tulsa, to go to Bible school. She was an alcoholic. Her life was a wreck. She went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she spent two years at Victory Bible Institute. At the end of two years, and she didn't know what she could do. She's just a single woman, been through a lot. And she felt like God said, I'll use what you've been through to set people free. And God spoke to her and said, I want you to go to Cairo, and I want you to start Victory Bible Institute. And she went to Cairo, and she started Victory Bible Institute. And she had 15 people. One of the people in her class that she had met on a street corner was from the Sudan, named Stanley Lonathan. Stanley Lonathan was an alcoholic in the Sudan. And Stanley went to Cairo thinking that he would go to school and become some type of an agricultural person or some type of maybe an architect. He wasn't sure, but he had a serious drinking problem. He intersects with Rella Shipman. Rella Shipman says, there's a plan for your life. And Stanley turns his entire life around, gives his heart to the Lord, goes back to the South Sudan, starts the Dreamland Children's Home with this church alongside him, 150 children being changed for the glory of Almighty God. He now is active with the government of the South Sudan, operating Joseph, the farm agricultural project over there that's going to feed many, many people in that nation, all because a a one person conformed to the image of Christ, Rella Shipman, And his life was changed forever. And I believe because of what he's doing and what we're helping to support, he's going to help change and has changed that part of the world and that part of the South Sudan. You will never know the power your life has as you reflect the image of Christ everywhere that you go. Now, does this mean that you're not going to make a mistake and miss it? No, 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 no. You're going to fall sometimes. We all do. It's not a bad report. We all miss it sometimes, but we get back up. Micah 7, 8, though I fall, I shall arise. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know the plan for my life. And just because I've made a mistake does not negate the plan of God for my life. It just means I'm going to learn something from it. I'm going to get back up and I'm moving on. Let's stand to our feet. God wants to take you from glory to glory. And if you get this message exploding within you, it will set you free from ever being concerned about what people think about you, about what happens to you. And until you change the image of how you see yourself, you will always see yourself the same. That's what happened in my life. God wanted me to change the image of how I saw myself so that I could see the image of Christ in me. 
It was a hard struggle for me because I knew what I had done. I knew where I had been and I knew how the devil had used me. But when the revelation finally took hold and I realized there is a purpose for my life and that if I will yield to God using me and letting that image solidify in my spirit and in my mind, then all of that could flow out and touch other people. He's no respecter of persons. That is exactly God's plan for each and every one of your lives. And you have an area of influence today, and tomorrow that area will increase and increase and increase. I am amazed at the number of people God brings across my path who are going through what I went through years ago. And I see how Romans 8.28 works. God will use all things for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer on this earth. Do you know without a question, without a doubt, that if you died today, you go to be with Jesus? Or maybe, maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. You know that you've walked away from the things of God. Good news for you, God loves you. God will never stop loving you. But God's calling you back to him. And all over this church, if you're here and you say, Pastor... You just described me. I know my life is not right with God, but I want it to be. I want eternal life. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. All over this church, Holy Spirit, you know every single person that's here. And if there are those that don't know you, if there are those that are away from you, I know that you're speaking to them this very moment we're going to wait just a moment if that's you we want to pray for you thank you Jesus now while we're still bowed in prayer I want to ask you this question How many of you struggle in the area of the image that you see of yourself? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Get them up there real high because we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. I believe that all of us struggle sometimes, but I believe that there are those that there is a continual struggle because the devil is trying to play on a weakness in your mind to stop you from conforming to the image of Christ. And this happened to me. I kept saying, yeah, but I did. People say the devil comes and accuses you of things in your past that you did and I'd say and that he's a father of lies and this is what would go on in my mind he's not lying I did those things he's not lying I did those things and I felt like the Lord said once you have received my forgiveness and once you've yielded to my spirit not only are you no longer that person but I have forgotten everything that you ever did and I don't want you to ever go back and revisit it again and when that became revelation to me it changed my whole life it wasn't that I didn't do it it was that I no longer have to go back there again that's not who I am I am a new creation Old things have passed away. 
and behold, all things have become new. And I say to this to all of you that lifted your hands. You don't ever have to think about the stuff you used to do. That's the enemy trying to take you back there. And you can rebuke that. But not only for all of you that raised your hands, this applies to all of us. The devil is the accuser of the brethren walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. And he comes trying to steal your thoughts to tell you, you can never be like Jesus. You could never be conformed to the image of Christ. Think about all that you've done. I got good news for you. Think about all he has done. Think about how he wants to use you. Your mind is the battlefield for this message. Let's all put our hand right up there where our mind is. Our Father, I pray for every person today. I pray that as we make this confession, that the work of the enemy is bound, that we never have to succumb to the thoughts that he tries to give us. Oh, we may hear them, and we probably will, but we don't ever meditate them. We meditate the Word of God, that we are called to be conformed to the image of your Son, and that you would never have called us, you would never have justified us to be that image if it were not possible through your precious Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. I want us all to make this confession. Lord, I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. I receive my calling that I am called by you to be conformed to the image of Christ. I receive that call. I answer that call. Help me, Lord, to keep my mind renewed to your perfect will. And your perfect will is that I would conform to the image of Jesus, that I would walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and touch people for Jesus. Help me, Lord, to be the good Samaritan, just as Jesus was. I know this, Lord, with your help.